I've been quite introspective of late. Like, I'm thinking, how did I, Dr. Riyad Musa, become a comedian? I mean, I'm a bloody educated individual. <laughs> and now professionally, I'm a clown. I'm a clown. <laughs> what happened to me? I got so much potential. I studied for years, people, years. I was like, Ugh. I didn't even have glasses. I was like, and I don't remember nothing, boss. Nothing. So I'd always tell people, you know, if you're eating one of those whispers, you know, one of those chocolatey treats, and it goes down the wrong pipe, and it goes, is there a doctor in us? I could spring to action and then entertain you as you slowly pass away. <laughs> That's the extent of my ability. Can I tell you a joke before you die? They must play George Michael at your funeral. Because that was a careless whisper. <laughs> Some of you aren't following these jokes. Some of you. <laughs> and I'm trying to do medically themed shows because I'm involved in a hospital project in uh, Cape Town. My dad's one of the directors of the hospital. And he asked me to do a show within the confines of the hospital conference center. And I said, Dad, I'll do it with pleasure but I need a light on myself, much like the light you see here now. And he advised that I use one of the lights from the maternity ward. <laughs> Not one of the lights from the ceiling, one of the lights for analysis of the area. <laughs> and on one hand, I'm thinking, you know, it's a good cost-saving mechanism. We have those lights there already. On the other hand, I'm thinking, what does my father think about me? <laughs> I said, Dad, I said, Dad, I need a light on myself. And the first thing that popped into his mind was a light that's used for gynecological examinations. My own father thinks I'm a doer. <laughs> and my first foray into entertainment was not actually as a comedian, it was as a magician. I, I went to the College of Magic in Lansdowne Road, Claremont. It's very, very different to Hogwarts. <laughs> Very different. You know, Hogwarts, you enter there through a magical portal in a train station. Me, I had to walk past a taxi rank, debonairs, to get to my magic school. You know, and there weren't many people of my background did magic. I used to tell people, Uncle, I'm, I'm a magician. Really? A magician? What instrument do you play? I'm like, no, uncle, not, not a musician, a magician. I do magic. I'm like, oh, but magic is haram. <laughs> do you have a jinn working for you? <laughs> Let me explain the concept of a jinn to the non-Muslims in the audience. Essentially, it's an entity from an alternate dimension made out of fire that you can control. It's like, it's like the genie. I mean, from Aladdin, I don't mean uh, top billing. <laughs> Not, not afternoon express genie. I mean, from the lamp, you rub the lamp and your wish is my command. I don't mean genie like. <laughs> your wish is my command. For that, you don't rub your lamp.
That's a haram joke. I apologize for that. <laughs> Starting so early. <laughs> and at the College of Magic, it was my first sort of experience with white folks. First experience. They used to call me Riyadh. That was very unusual for me. Riyadh. I'd never heard my name pronounced with a R before. <laughs> Strictly R with my name. Riyadh. They used to say, hey, Riyadh. I'm like, where's Riyadh? <laughs> I couldn't even say R at that time. You know, I had a problem with saying R. <laughs> they used to ask me my name. What's your name? I used to go, Muhammad. Muhammad. <laughs> the College of Magic. You know, I went to a so-called colored school. You know the type of school, you know, with the assembly area, the tennis court, the cricket field, the volleyball field, you know, the soccer field, the netball court, the same bloody place. The same. <laughs> same place. Like you finish assembly, okay, let's go to the cricket field. We're here already, bro. We're here. <laughs> And it was strange, man. You know, because there weren't many people of my background that did magic. There aren't many Indian magicians. If you think about it, you know, there aren't many Indian magicians like David Copfield, David Blaine, that Brad Dynamo. There aren't many Indian magicians. Okay, they are. They're just not core magicians. <laughs> Accountants. <laughs> That's what they called. They make your taxable income disappear. Now. <laughs> They don't say Sim Salabim, it's like KPMG. <laughs> and at some point, I actually wanted to do uh, medicine and magic at the same time. But you can't be a doctor and a magician. That's a proper conflict of interest, especially if you want to do gynecology. It's a problem. You'll be like, push, push, as a boy and a rabbit. <laughs> Like, was this your card? Was this your card? <laughs> you know how they do that thing with the flags? It's like. <laughs> can't do that to people, man. It's not cool. And I've really changed people. This is the problem since I've turned 40. I've really changed. I used to be a nice guy. I used to be a nice guy. People used to say that about me. You know, Ria, it's such a nice guy. And now I bloody get irritated. But <laughs> bloody irritated for everything. You know, I even got irritated the other day when I was nice. <laughs> I met someone for the first time. I'm like, it's so nice to meet you in my mind. I'm going, so nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm giving myself the finger in my own brain. What's going on with me? I get irritated by everything. Like, like WhatsApp groups. Hate WhatsApp groups. Especially the Muslim WhatsApp groups. Because people don't ask you if you want to be added to the bloody group. They will add you against your will. And then once you're added, you can't leave. Because you feel bad about leaving. So you're stuck. So you have to strategize how to leave. Sometimes you mute for a year. Have you ever done that? <laughs> or you secretly leave in the middle of the night. 
because you hope no one will notice. But there's always an auntie that notices. I noticed you left the group, but it must be a mistake, so I re-added you. <laughs> shukran, auntie. Shukran. And there's always one of your cousins who thinks he's a digital mufti. You know, like he studied at the Google Uloom. I don't know if the non-Muslims understand this, you know, because he posts these prayers or do ahs, and they're not short prayers. You've got to do this. It's long. Long. One, that's one prayer. You get the dua of the day, the thought of the day. By the time you're done, it's the bloody end of the day. Wake up in the morning, okay, I'll read this one dua, and then I'll make maghrib, and then I'll have breakfast. And the worst thing for me on WhatsApp was the old people on WhatsApp. Because old people, I don't mean to be ageist, but you have no place on WhatsApp. Because <laughs> old people don't understand WhatsApp etiquette. They will respond to every single bloody message. They don't understand the two dicks. So you wake up in the morning and then there's 1,200 unread messages. And that's usually one actual message and then 1,199 Amin, 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 Amin. It's like Amin, 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 Amin. You don't know what the original message was. It must have been a prayer for no more daughter. Amin, 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 Amin. Getting notifications in your pocket. Getting stimulated in this area. By Amin, that, that's not cool. No one's supposed to go, Psst, Amin. Is it wrong? One positive thing though, people, I am married now for 15 years. Single people clapping. <laughs> Single people clapping. Married for 15 years. In Islam, we say marriage is half of your iman or half of your faith. Okay? Doesn't mean you get married and all of a sudden you get 50% of your faith. <laughs> I got married now, I got 50% of my iman or 50% of my faith. <laughs> Take a second wife, 100% <laughs> of my faith. We allowed four. I could potentially have 200% surplus faith <laughs> if my calculations are correct. But it doesn't mean that. It means negotiating life successfully as a married couple is challenging. You know, you've got to live for the other person. And everybody has disagreements. But it's my view that in a happy marriage, you've got to know how to argue with your partner. You know, when we weren't as happy in our marriage, this is how we used to argue. Not as happy in our marriage. Now we're super happy in our marriage. That's how we argue. Okay, you're right, you're right. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> For me, the scoring system in a marriage argument is just like the scoring system in tennis. You gotta lose to get love. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
But seriously, people, you know, there's a special kind of love that develops after 15 years of marriage. It's a special kind of love. You see it in the eyes of your partner. It's a special kind of mohabbat. Special kind of love. It's almost like hate. <laughs> That loving hatred. <laughs> I will die for you, but I will kill you first. <laughs> you know, when eating becomes a problem, a normal human biological function, do you really need to eat like that? Because <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you people, I tend to make a little sound when I eat. You know, just a little sound. <laughs> which can be the source of contention in many a marriage. <laughs> Just a gentle sound. I keep my mouth closed most of the time, but you see, I've got a sinus problem. So at some point, I have to open my mouth, otherwise I'll suffocate. <laughs> Creating the ever so insignificant. <laughs> Just a gentle, wistful. <laughs> but whenever I do it, my wife's always like... <laughs> I can't even eat Pringles in my own house. <laughs> you know, when you're sitting next to each other, watching the TV, you know, eating the Pringles. <laughs> you know, even if you keep your mouth closed, the sound of Pringles travels through the jawbone to irritate your significant other. <laughs> you know, you eat like a cow. You eat like a cow. Well, I am a moose. You know, and part of the charm of the Pringles is the crunchiness of the Pringles. That's why we enjoy it. The texture, the crunchiness is enjoyable. But I can't eat Pringles like that. Eh? You know I got to eat Pringles after 15 years of marriage in my own house. I got to take the whole Pringle, put it in my mouth and let it dissolve. <laughs> My wife, on the other hand, she doesn't put a seatbelt on immediately when she gets in the car. Because you've got more important things to do before she puts on a seatbelt. And I get in the car, out. But she's got important things to do, and I don't want to impose my sense of urgency on her in this patriarchal, male-dominated society. I want to give the opportunity to make decisions for herself because I respect the decision-making capabilities as a life partner. <laughs> Hashtag me too, ladies. <laughs> but you know what that means, right? That means we're driving and it's like ding, 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 ding. Baby, you want to put on your seatbelt? Stop rushing me. You're always rushing me. I'll do it now. I just want to read this to on WhatsApp quickly. I don't know why you're carrying on in any case. It's not that irritating. She says, that's not irritating. That thing is not irritating. But when I eat, <laughs> that's a problem. Let me tell you something. That thing sound was designed specifically by very intelligent German engineers to be irritating to the human auditory mechanism. 
and you think that sound is fine. But the sound that your husband of 15 years and the father of your four beautiful children has to make in order to continue to be alive? <laughs> that is intolerable. Ding, ding, ding. She doesn't want to put on a seatbelt. I want to change the thing to go. <laughs> Four children now. It's challenging to travel with four kids. I'm telling you, bruh, I love my children, but when I heard that I was going to have the fourth one, right? Forget a vasectomy. I was ready for a sledgehammer to the balls, bruh. Like, <laughs> I think I grazed myself a little there. That was not a good... You know, I, was, I had the opportunity to do some writing work uh, with Brad Trevor. Give it up for Trevor, he's doing brilliantly. <laughs> brilliantly. Well, yeah. <laughs> when I was there, he was on the cover of Time magazine, boss. <laughs> it's okay, I'll get another chance to go to America. <laughs> Are you okay? What's wrong, baby? Uh... <laughs> It's a sad, what's wrong? Yeah, I send the husband out. Wait, I send the husband out. Because <laughs> usually it's always the wife's like. <laughs> you seen? is she okay? I was like. Fading uh. <laughs> into the distance. I got, I got four, I told you I got four, right? Like, I got an eight year old. Well, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 3-year-old, uh, well, 2-year-old, and a 3-month-old. <laughs> I can, yo, like the, the fourth one came out hairy, bruh. <laughs> the others were like proper jelly babies, like smooth. This one. <laughs> I was concerned for a moment, I think, like, Harry, I don't explain how Harry for a moment I thought my wife had an affair with Chewbacca. <laughs> I was scared to hear the baby cry for the first time, be like, <laughs> and then and then she lost all the hair. Lost all his hair, all his hair, lost, like gone, except for bloody sideburns. <laughs> I got a three month old with sideburns. A three month old looked like Elvis. <laughs> it makes a job, it's like, thank you very much. <laughs> Shame, man, poor baby. Yeah, I had the opportunity to do some writing work. Like when I was there, you know, Trevor was in the cover of Time Magazine, boss. Full face, his second time on. Full face, <laughs> Time. Barack Obama was in the corner. <laughs> Full face, Trevor, Time. <laughs> I wasn't even on the cover of his <laughs> one. <laughs> I was in the back of his in the crossword puzzle section. <laughs> you know, in that little block, you know. <laughs> 
Doctor who disappointed his parents. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something now, but don't tell anybody, right? Uh, Trevor said that in two years' time, he wants to do movies. So he said, then potentially I could um, take over. <laughs> uh, he didn't tell me himself. The Gupta has offered me the position. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. But I learned something about myself in America. I learned that I have a weird accent. I had no idea. I had a weird accent. No idea. Like, you know, I'm a first language English speaker, people. There's no language I speak better than the language I'm speaking now. In matric, I got an A for bloody English. Okay, I got a C, but still. <laughs> There's no language that I speak better than language I'm speaking now. But when I went to America, no one bloody understood me. No one. And in my mind, I was trying to enunciate my words. In my mind, I was speaking the Queen's English, the equivalent of, how now, brown cow? She sells seashells on the seashore. Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled feathers. <laughs> but they look at me like I'm going, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Like I'm from Middle Earth or from Narnia, like my accent is bloody made up. They're always like, I can't, I can't place the accent. I can't place that. I can't place that. Where are you, where are you from? I'm like, I'm, I'm from Cape Town, Cape Town. Where in Afghanistan is that? <laughs> Afghanistan! The only way I can get them to understand me properly is if I speak to them in their own accent. What a huge joy that is. I gotta repeat myself all the time for stupid stuff in my mind. Can I have some water, please? I'm, so I'm sorry, what? Can I, can I have some water, please? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? Can I have some, can I have some <coughs> <coughs> water? Oh, water! <laughs> the difference between water and water is? What's the big difference between water and water? What's the big difference? That's how I say it. Water. H-A-U-T-A. Water. And don't laugh at me. Many of you in the same boat. But, you see, if I hear water, like, my brain does a mental transaction and go, oh, that water must equal water. <laughs> now, I'm not saying the Americans are stupid, but they can't bloody do that. Like, if I say, like, water, like, huh? Eh? Eh? Ooh. You know? I'm not saying they're stupid, but they figured out the algorithm for space exploration, but water. <laughs> it's confusing. Let's go to space and figure out what water is. <laughs> They make you feel like a freak. One dude came to me after the show. This is for real, eh? Came to me after the show. was like, bro, dude, bro, dude, bro, dude, bro, dude, dude, bro, dude, dude, bro. I notice you do all those different accents in your act. Now, if you can do all those different accents, why do you talk the way you do? <laughs> now, I wanted to go because your master was... <laughs>
But I didn't. I'm a good Muslim. I'm a good Muslim. That would not be acceptable to the Almighty. I went, Mother, chot your mother. Which is the Indian Yomasa, for those of you who don't know. Which apparently is acceptable to the Almighty. Which is weird. You know, and I was really thinking about my accent and I've come to the realization that I do have a weird accent because I'm a first language English speaker, people, you know, first language English speaker, but the sound of my accent is very much influenced by Afrikaans, which is why I go <laughs> But the strange thing is, I don't speak Afrikaans well, which is weird. I sound Afrikaans, but I don't speak Afrikaans. That's strange. I can't speak in a French accent, but then not speak French and think that is bloody normal. I can't go to America. It is wonderful to be in this country. <laughs> it is absolutely amazing to be here. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, do you speak French? No. <laughs> Why would you say that? Clearly, English is my first language. You Americans are so ignorant. Je m'asse poet. How did how did Trump become the president of the United States? How? How did they go six months in? I don't understand. How did they go from Obama to Trump? Obama to Trump? Like how? They went from the first black president to the first orange yellowish president. <laughs> How did they go from Obama to Trump? They went from, it was a creed that was written in the founding documents that declared the destiny of a nation. Yes, we can. It was whispered by slaves and abolitionists as they blazed the trail towards freedom. Yes, we can. Now they went from that to <laughs> Look, folks, Obama is stupid. Okay, but I've got a great brain. It's fantastic. It's huge. I've got a great brain, folks. I'm going to win, and I'm going to win bigly, folks. Bigly's a word. Okay, in Scrabble, I would win bigly. How did they go from Obama to Trump? Did someone in America pump a tokolosh? What happened? <laughs> He's such a weird dude, man. Also with weird facial expressions. He also does... Star sign must be Pisces. He looks like a fish. He does weird things with his hands. People wonder why is that color? He's like a half human, half goldfish. <laughs> I think there's something, I think he's got some sort of goldfish DNA. I, I really think so. Because goldfish have short-term memory. Trump has also got a bloody short-term memory. He's always like the Mexicans, they bring crime, drugs, they're rapists, and I assume some of them are good people. And everybody's like, how could you say that about the Mexicans, man? Say what about the Mexicans? I love the Mexicans. Fantastic people. I love Mexican food, like biryani. <laughs> Tandoori chicken. <laughs> People 
people, why did they vote for him? People say they voted for him because he's a straight talker. I don't think so. I think it's actually because of his hair. I don't think it's because he speaks what's on his mind. I think it's because of what is actually on his mind. <laughs> you know, people with weird appearance, weird dress sense, they tend to be able to get away with saying strange stuff because the appearance is a distraction. And Trump is no different, you know? Trump says strange stuff. Love the women, respect the women. I respect them so much. They let me grab them by the... <laughs> and even one is just like, is that a wig? <laughs> Why does he make his lips like that? His lips are huge distraction, eh? It's ironic he's against gay marriage because he looks perfect for, you know. Uh... <laughs> that was the second haram one, I apologize. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. He was more concerned, right, with Arnold Schwarzenegger taking over his hosting job at The Apprentice than the Muslim ban. You know, because Arnie took over from Trump. You know, Trump used to go, you're fired, you're fired, buddy. Arnie was like, you are terminated. <laughs> <laughs> you know what one of the saddest things is? Like, young people don't know Arnie like we know Arnie, eh? They don't know Arnie, like, yeah, get down, get to the chopper, yeah, they're trying to kill you, yeah, get on the floor now, yeah. They don't know Arnie like that. You know, it's sad, you know, they only know Arnie maybe from YouTube, you know, from those ads, you know. Ground floor, please. Mobile strike, download and play now, free from the App Store, yeah. <laughs> And now Arnold, that was a half-assed applause. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> still, second half. <laughs> but still, those two half-assed made a full applause. So on aggregate, that was good. That was good. That was good. Now, Arnie even he had an affair with his Mexican domestic worker. Do you guys know this? Like, you knew, ma'am. And you were very proud. You were very loud. Yes! <laughs> Wow, yeah, and you, okay, but you know, I don't like making fun of auntie's appearances, but this auntie had a moustache, man. <laughs> she was short, she was like a Mexican hobbit. <laughs> and he was into her, he was Consuela. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. And he was married to a Kennedy, eh? He was married to American royalty, you know? And still he was into. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I don't know why. You know, I guess you can't have caviar all the time. Sometimes you just want beacon bites. I, I don't know. <laughs> and he was caught, eh? He was caught. And I want to know what he said as an excuse. Yeah, Maria, don't judge me. It just happened, you know. A Consuelo was just standing there. The sunlight glistening on her face. Not the actual sunlight, the liquid. She was busy washing this. <laughs> And two droplets came up, yeah, and there was just something about the scent of handy andy mixed with Mr. Min that awakened the fire in me. She was dressed very seductively. She was wearing the flip-flops with the socks. You know where the tongue of the flip-flop is pushing the sock in between the toes. Don't judge me, I'm human. No, you are jacks. You are jacks. That's it. 
powerful man taking advantage of his powerful position. <laughs> We've changed course. I thought that we were on a trajectory to becoming a more inclusive, loving, accepting world, a more tolerant world. But it seems we've become more extreme and more insular. You know, a good example of this is Castor Semenya, right? Like she was accepted for being different, very different, but she was also treated very badly in America, right? So even though she won the 800 meters at the Olympics and many races since then, the debate on whether she liked to compete or not is still bloody continued. <laughs> That's irritating because no one has clear answers, even the experts. Regular people expect not to know, expect to say stupid stuff. I saw this interview on CNN. The guy was like, uh, should Caster be allowed to compete? And the guy was like, duh, she looked like a man. Oh, oh thanks for clearing that up, Professor. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> but even the experts don't have clear, that was so. Uh, <laughs> but even the experts don't have clear answers. The experts are like, no, you see, sometimes the typical XX female genotype manifests outwardly as a male phenotype. And sometimes the typical XY male genotype manifests outwardly as a female phenotype. For example, in testicular feminization syndrome. There's a wide variety of genetic conditions that influence whether you outwardly perceived as either male or female. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's talking cock. <laughs> what does that mean? It means she looks like a man. <laughs> it's important to note that Castor grew up as a girl. She grew up as a girl. She didn't later on in life cut anything off because she spent too much time with the Kardashians. She grew up as a girl. A girl that could sing baritone and beat you at arm wrestling, but a girl nevertheless. And she has the worst life of everyone, but only other people are complaining about it. She has the worst life, but only other people are complaining. They're like, it's not fair to the others because Castor has three times the level of testosterone as most women and approaching that of a man. And I'm like, my levels of testosterone? My levels of testosterone? Is that the only thing that makes you a world-class athlete? The only thing? Because I've got my levels of testosterone. <laughs> I've got higher levels of testosterone than Castor. Semenya is a race between Riyad Musa and Castor Semenya gonna be a nail biter? <laughs> a photo finish? She'll probably be finished the race. I'm still talking smack. I must warn you, Castor. <laughs> I've got my levels of testosterone. How's it finished already? Best out of three, best out of three. I'll probably complain myself. It's not fish. She doesn't have a penis. She's more aerodynamic. What about me? <laughs> She has the worst life of everyone, but only other people are complaining about it. They put on this horrible testosterone suppression medication with horrible side effects like acne and flatulence. So not only can't she compete at a peak, she got to go through puberty again, walk around, pro, 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 the scent of defeat falling her wherever she goes. Not even her own name does her any favors. Her own name, she's at the center of a gender ambiguity controversy. Why the hell does she have to have the most gender ambiguous name you can think of? Her name could have been Timby or Caitlin. Instead, her first name is a couple of letters short of castration. And her surname was not Seaman, no. It's Seaman, yeah. That is... <laughs> That is horrible. She has the worst life of everyone, but only other people are complaining about it. You know, like this lady Lindsay Sharp from Scotland lost to Castor in the 800 meters. And not just second, not just the, 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 she was sixth. 
She wasn't even in the photo finish picture. <laughs> and she was complaining after the race, it's not really fair, you know? We expect the people at the top to sort it out. You know, people can see how hard it is for us. We don't know what's going on in the front over there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got some compassion, you know, but I think it's a bit entitled. Because if you think about it, if it is unfair to you, Lindsay Sharp, it's unfair for one minute and 39.28 seconds of your life. You are a blonde, good-looking European Olympian. The rest of everything <laughs> is in your favor. Meanwhile, <laughs> that's the only time Casta has advantage in her whole life. For one minute and 39.28 seconds. She's not running, she's undergoing media scrutiny, gender verification tests from a multidisciplinary team of endocrinologists, gynecologists, internal medicine specialists. Basically, if she's not running, her life is like a long pap smear. Do you understand? <laughs> How horrible that is! <laughs> now all of a sudden, because you, Lindsay Sharp, have to endure losing to a woman with a mild Adam's apple for less time than it takes for me to make two-minute noodles. <laughs> and I'm supposed to feel sorry for you. I can't even finish making a soft-boiled egg and I'll miss the amount of time that you disadvantage it. You're the victim. Even Nelson Mandela would go, fuck you. <laughs> I apologize for the profanity, <laughs> but how? <laughs> Ma, for the swearing, I really I apologize. I'm just taking the, making the point. The world is changing, you know? Like, obviously there's Islamophobia. Like it's worse in Europe than here. In Europe, they wouldn't even allow the burkini on the beach. Guys, know about the burkini. For those of you who don't know, it's like modest swimwear, you know? Like modest swimwear, you know? It's like basically a burka plus a bikini <laughs> equals a burkini. <laughs> it's not a bikini for Afrikaans farmers. <laughs> Frick, was my burkini? Was my burkini? Ik wil in die waterbal, ja, frikom. <laughs> Not a burkini, a burka, plus a bikini equals a burkini. You know, and they wouldn't allow the burkini on the beach in France, in a place called Nice, which wasn't very nice. <laughs> There's a spelling joke over there. Uh, and even some Muslim people don't like the idea of the burkini, you know, because they think, what's next? First a burkini, what's next? What's next? A haji string. <laughs> I know that's a borderline joke, I understand, but I'm making the point. <laughs> there are some Islamophobic incidents here in South Africa. Comes to mind, Liam Ferreira from Langaban. He complained about the call to prayer on Facebook. You know? Complained. They blare their calls prayer of the loudspeakers five times a day. Stand up for your rights, people. Burn it down. We have to listen to it five times a day. Stand up for your rights, burn it down. We have to listen to it. Is this too much for you? You have to listen to it. We have to listen to it and go. <laughs> I 
obviously the difference is, you know, we see it positively. You know, it's a beautiful thing. It's a call to prayer. It's a call to salvation, a call to peace. This bride just sees it as an alarm clock they didn't see. <laughs> and I think as a Muslim person, I think everybody should be compassionate, even Muslim people, right? Because if you think about it, like the loudspeaker is an innovation, you know? There was no loudspeaker back in the day of 6th century Arabia. There was no hi-fi corporation in the desert. <laughs> It's just the individual with a beautiful voice, you know, using his God-given voice. You know, it was no microphone. It was just Mike. It was just a dude. It was no Samsung. It was just Sam singing. That, that's it. You know, no hi-fi. It was just a dude called Fire standing up high on top. I can keep on going. I can keep on. Can I? I don't know. It wasn't a boom box. It was just Abu. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it wasn't be like. Yeah. I can't. I've got no. I'm done. I'm spent. <laughs> so we understand, you know, it's difficult. And. You know, it's difficult because people, you know, we're entering this era, we just, as brown people, you know, emerge from apartheid, but now we're entering an era of Islamophobia, you know? And it's gonna be difficult for my kids, you know? And our kids, many kids, because um, it's a different world, you know? It's gonna be especially difficult for one of my kids because he's very pious, mashallah. Very pious, very spiritually inclined. He's, he's very religious, more religious than me. The two-year-old. <laughs> I'm not joking, eh? I'm not joking. From one and a half, he was making all his salahs, all prayers, five times a day. From one and a half, five times a day. You know, my wife is very good. She teaches them very well. You know, me, I'm a bit more of a playful influence. When he's with me, I'm listening to my old school music, you know? Mr. Lava Lava. <laughs> They call me Mr. Bombastic, tell me fantastic, touch me on my box, he says I'm Mr. Roll. Mantic, tell me fantastic, touch me on my box, he says I'm Mr. Roll. Mr. Lover, lover. Mm. And he's always like, come in with salad, come in with salad. Turn that off, daddy, come in with salad, daddy. I'm like, don't you want to watch Bonnie? Bonnie must also make salad. <laughs> he even makes the domestic worker make salad with him. The Zimbabwean domestic worker. You know how weird that is? You come home, it's like, why didn't Auntie Patricia do the ironing? Auntie Patricia's making maghrib over there. <laughs> she doesn't even know what she's doing. She's just falling in. <laughs> very unusual for a little one to do that you know usually kids are balls of chaos in mosque I'm sure in church you know the other two my older two they weren't like that like my son my older two you know when I would take the older one to mosque you know it was like rolling a dice <laughs> you know it could go crazy because we stand in a rows right or soft right and once the prayer starts we got to concentrate so the prayer starts and this bra goes for a walk <laughs> <laughs> like, 
walks and he stares up at a random uncle. <laughs> In his face. Confusing the uncle. uncle. They're chaotic, but not my son, not my baby. No, and I just want you to picture this, you know, just a little guy, a little dude, you know, with a kurta, little kurta, a little topi, little beard. <laughs> He's very pious, I told you, very pious. And he makes the call to prayer all day, all day. You know, and obviously he's two, so he doesn't pronounce it correctly, you know, but his conviction is there. He even gets upset with the older two, you know, <laughs> if they're not concentrating. This side does it, exactly. He's like, spiritually uplifted and you list for Nando's for some reason <laughs> and obviously I'm very proud of this obviously you know but spiritually you're supposed to suppress pride but I want to tell everyone I'm telling random people so I'm like oh, this is my son uh, my son he's two from one and a half he's making all his salas all his salas you know, like he even knows how to make a dan. My son, make a dan for the uncle. Come, come on, come make it. And I'm like, <laughs> I taught him that. <laughs> and the guy's like, so you do want lemon and herb, mild, mild. <laughs> And I shouldn't do this to them. I shouldn't do it to him. He's too. You know, and pride will come and get you. You know, but I'm telling everyone, I even told the Imam of the mosque. I'm like, Imam, salam alaikum. This is my son, my son. He's two. From one and a half, he's making all his salahs. All his salahs. Even knows that make a dan. My son, make a dan for him. Come, come, make a dan. Mr. Lova, Lova! <laughs> no, 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 no. My wife, my wife likes that song. My wife. <laughs> Don't be proud. They'll come back to get you. Don't be proud. You know, and <laughs> I can't even be upset with this dude, man. Because he's so sweet. You know, he does something wrong. He's always like, Thought it, daddy. Thought it, daddy. Thought it, daddy. Thought it, daddy. Drop the cell phone in the toilet. Thought it, Specifically goes to get the cell phone. And drop it in the third <laughs> He did this six times. Six times with six different iPhones. iPhones, not regular phones, iPhones. You know how people buy iPhone 6? I bought the iPhone 6 times. <laughs> but the sixth time I was ready to flush my son. 
really like Sarodado, 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 Sarodado. But I can't even be upset with him, you know? Always try to be my son, what do you think you're doing? He's like, this is my life, eh? This is all true. You don't have to discipline kids also. There's a debate on how you discipline kids these days, eh? There's a debate on whether you spank or don't spank, you know? In the past, there was no debate. <laughs> but these days, they advise you to negotiate with the kids, hey? Negotiate. Listen, your chat. I'm getting down to your level so you can feel non-threatened. <laughs> chat, I want you to express yourself in whatever way you want to express yourself. So you grow up into a confident and unique individual, confident in expressing your inner truth in an organic and holistic way. <laughs> but seriously, you need to put the gun down. <laughs> and I'm very disappointed that you shot Granny, hey? I'm very disappointed. <laughs> in the past, there was no debate. When you got spanked, it didn't get spanked. Like, I was negotiated with as a child. It's probably why I do this for a living, right? <laughs> But most people, you know, at the very least, there was no debate, at the very least, it was just a shot. That was the extent of the communication and the negotiation. Tidy this place up. No! <laughs> you weren't even allowed to cry. Why are you crying? I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> You still crying? <laughs> the pause is no debate, you know? And I try and negotiate with my kids, you know? But it's very difficult for me because um, my wife's family is originally from KZN. And that I fear and suspect that my son Zamir has received the Durban Indian dream. <laughs> because he's got a far superior natural negotiating ability to me. As a Kryptonian, I'm not equipped to deal with this level of negotiation. Now, I don't mean he's like a Chatsworth salesman or anything like that. I ask him to brush his teeth and he's like, look, Lani. Do I need to brush all my teeth? How about I brush every second tooth? We take that as we put it under the pillow for the tooth fairy, we split the profits. So what do you say, Lani? <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean, whenever we parlay, I come out second best. I don't know those bras manipulating me. There was one incident when I told him, Zamir, please pick up your Lego sign. He's like, okay, dad, no problem, dad. You're the best dad in the world. I tell all my friends, you best dad in the world. You're a doctor, comedian, magician. You play with me, you show me magic tricks. I'm definitely going to pick up all my Legos, dad, because I love you so much, dad, and you're best dad in the world. Dad, will you help me, please? So <laughs> <laughs> me like a mother. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm the best dad in the world. 
A second later, he goes, oh, dad, I've got an emergency dad. It's a number two dad. It's number two. And that's a big one, dad. That's massive. That's massive, dad. So I'm going to go quickly, dad. But you continue over there, dad. <laughs> I will be back shortly. <laughs> so 10 minutes later, I found that I picked up all the Legos. On top of that, I have to listen to the call, which is very scary for a husband who's alone at home without his wife. We all know this call. I'm finished! <laughs> I'm on the phone for Zana. How long will it be? How long? <laughs> Two hours. Okay, you can wait. You can wait. <laughs> so I had to, ex you know, help him with his ablutions, right? And Muslims, we be very thorough, right? And I was approaching it with extreme caution and trepidation. Because he said it was going to be massive. That was his word, massive. You know? And this is how I suspected he was manipulating me. I was expecting it to be massive. But when I looked in, it was like a little rice crispy. <laughs> like a cocoa pop or a popo cop. I don't know if that'd be more apt. To be fair to him, it could have been one of those that he made that was so, so heavy. Uh, I'd, I'd flushed itself <laughs> out of sheer momentum. <laughs> Don't act like you've never been there before. It's a weird experience. You do your business and then you turn to flush, but before you flush, like, where's this thing going? <laughs> the case of the missing doo-doo. He didn't say anything, he was just looking up at me, smiling. An evil smile. Didn't say anything, but when I leaned forward to clean him, I thought he whispered in my ear, Look, Lani, don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> in charge, these kids, man. They're in charge. But you want the best for them. You don't want them to grow up anxious, you know, because the world is a, a very scary place. Like, media exaggerates everything. Like, everything is heightened. All the terms are weighted. Like, there was a term, state capture. Yeah. That's the most recent term that made us poop ourselves. <laughs> state capture. Yeah. <laughs> we were scared of the Guptas. Do you know? Like, we were scared. The Guptas look like cartoon character villains. <laughs> like, Atul Gupta looks like a Bollywood version of Gru from Despicable Me. <laughs> All the terms are weighted like the rogue unit at SARS. The rogue unit. The rogue unit at SARS. <laughs> and you know what, what the rogue unit was? It was a bunch of accountants. <laughs> Still so scary. Rogue accountants. What they do? Credit debit aggressively. Ah! Ah! Rogue accountants. What do they do? Get drunk on the weekends and then gang audit someone. <laughs> The real reason, when the story actually breaks the details, is always something innocuous, you know? And you know what the big ro rogue unit issue was? It was an early retirement issue. That's it, an early retirement issue. Apparently, former finance minister Praveen Gordon was involved. This guy called Ivan Pillay and Oprah Mahashula. Praveen Gordon, Ivan Pillay and Oprah Mahashula. And Ivan Pillay took early retirement, which was weird, because the guy called Oprah was still working. <laughs> 
shouldn't Opa have taken the retirement? <laughs> and then Zuma withdrew his interdict application for the state capture report. He withdrew it, and that was very unusual, because Zuma is not known for pulling out. We didn't expect this. <laughs> And at the center of all of this, former finance minister Praveen Gordon. It's very similar to me in that he studied to be the minister of finance or qualified to be the minister of finance by studying something else. Like he qualified to be the minister of finance by studying to be a pharmacist. Yeah. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys know this? He's a pharmacist. How did he become the minister of finance? His only fiscal experience is counting pills. Like, huh? 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 He does look like a pharmacist though. You've seen Uncle Praveen. He looks like a pharmacist from Mayfair. Proper. <laughs> Can you imagine him in one of those tight white coats? You know, with the short sleeves, hairy forearms, chest hair sticking out like that. Sometimes you see the shape of the nipple underneath the name tag. Yeah, go, go pay in the front over there. Go pay in the front. And I want to know, how did they know he'd make an amazing finance minister? How did they know, you know? Because I was watching a budget speech of his last year, and I was thinking to myself, like, did they, like, did he used to deliver his prescriptions like a budget speech? <laughs> and people noticed the potential? <laughs> like, he was standing in the pharmacy, I've got a prescription here for sildenafil citrate, commonly known as Viagra, <laughs> to be given 100 milligrams PRN. Should cause strong growth over the next period. <laughs> Sustained inflation, uh, capped at four hours. Now Viagra is experiencing stiff competition from Cialis and Levitra. But the stimulus package should actually stimulate your package to cause your private equity to grow and firm up in the short, the medium, and the long term. Just remember, it's not the size of the term that matters. It's rather the motion of confidence in the growth strategy. <laughs> How did they know? And people wanted to get Praveen out, eh? First person who tried was state prosecutor, Sean Abrams. And he came out there, yeah. People weren't even listening to him. They were just focusing on his eyebrows. <laughs> Do you see those things? Thick, bro. Thick. Almost like hairy worms made their way. <laughs> thick, bruh, like the bristles of a hand broom, proper thick. People wonder he's gonna clean up the country with his face. <laughs> and the guy who saved Praveen Gordon was actually a SARS agent called Flock Symington because he was involved in a scandal where he claimed he was kidnapped by the Hawks. I, I mean the, the police, I don't mean, ha, 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 no. <laughs> he was kidnapped by the walks. And I think he exaggerated, he overreacted because he was actually interrogated, but he said he was kidnapped. But he was kidnapped in his own office during <laughs> normal working hours. <laughs> Everybody around at SARS. <laughs> and he even phoned in to complain about the kidnapping <laughs> to the police, <laughs> about the police. <laughs> You know, and he was very emotional on the video. He was like, excuse me, excuse me, I'm being held against my will. Excuse me, sir, why can't I leave? I'm being held against my will. His lip was quivering. Excuse me, why can't I leave? I'm being held <laughs> against my will. He was so cute, man. <laughs> so lunas, so punankis. I 
almost understood how they held him against his will. He was so cute. How would I hold him against his will? <laughs> Pinched his cheeks. <laughs> Yours, my Riyad, you're holding me against my will. I'm not Marshal or Riyad. Yours, my. I love that guy so much. I want to have him on one of the SARS messaging services. You know, you phone into SARS. Excuse me. You have reached SARS. All our agents are currently busy at the moment, but if you call back within hours of 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday to Friday, I'll be here and being held against my will. <laughs> and please call back, eh? For flock's sake, please call back. <laughs> they make the rogue unit sound like a negative version of the A-team. Like you need a prelude or a preamble like the A-team for the rogue unit. Like... In 2016, a rogue revenue was threatened with prison by a kangaroo court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly filed a countersuit to appease the markets and stabilize the rand. Today, still wanted by certain factions of the government, they survive as agents to curtail the Gupta's fortune. If you need help, and no one else can help, and if you're willing to find SARS between the hours of 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday to Friday, maybe you can hire the rogue in a you don't want Zuma to infiltrate that message, eh? Phone into SARS. <coughs> you have reached SARS. <coughs> All our agents are currently busy, but your call is important <coughs> to us. <laughs> important. Personally, I don't have that problem. <coughs> you are number 7,100. <coughs> You are number 7,100. <coughs> Listen properly. <laughs> you are very far from the front of the queue. <coughs> it's a hectic, man. Obviously, we have to deal with racism still. <laughs> you know? This is the thing we're going to be dealing with, and we should talk about it, you know, so we understand it more, so we can actually do something substantive about it, you know? Because there are degrees of racism. We need to understand it. It's like, it's like Nando's, you know? Like, there are degrees. There's lemon mild, hot, extra hot. Okay, maybe I shouldn't be comparing racism to chicken. Because <laughs> black people don't love racism. <laughs> You know there's a stereotype that black people have chicken, eh? Like, I hate the stereotype. I hate it. Because I, Riyad Musa, love chicken. I love chicken. You know? I love chicken so much. I want to be included in on that racial stereotype. I want people to go, you know black people and Riyad Musa love chicken, eh? <laughs> it's just how they are. <laughs> there's different types of racism, you know? There's like social racism. Uh, there's like social racism. Right? There's different types of racism. There's like social racism. See, I did that for the, the filming. Because I flirted. And then that's why I had to say it over again. But now I probably have to say it over again. <laughs> <laughs> There's different types of racism. <laughs> like I call it like social racism. It's like social smoking, you know? You know, I'm not racist, you know, just on occasion at parties, <laughs> I'll join in. Only if everyone else is doing it, hey? I read this article that second-hand racism is just as bad <laughs> as first-hand racism, you know? 
There's another type of racism. It's like it's an intangible type of racism. I call it G-spot racism. Because it's difficult to put your finger on. <laughs> and then there's the scientific racism, you know, which is the worst type of racism because they like use science to potentiate subjugation of people, you know? It's like the type of racism that supported slavery, colonialism, apartheid. You know, I read this quote from this naturalist Ernst Haeckel, and he wrote in an encyclopedia, the native has more freely movable toes than the European, which is further evidence that they're more closely related to apes. In the encyclopedia, more freely movable toes on black people. If you believe in evolutionary theory, we all related to apes. And besides, I've seen some white people's toes. <laughs> <laughs> that challenge that hypothesis. <laughs> like most people, you know, I've seen white people with proper, like toes, like proper. White people like wearing flip-flops. I've seen these toes. <laughs> like they look like they could peel a banana, bruh. <laughs> that type of toes. You almost understand how they colonize people, you know? As they're walking, I'm taking this. <laughs> Different types of racism. There's Oma, Oma racism, right? Oma racism is like Penny Sparrow had that type of racism. Like, because like Penny Sparrow basically was used to most of her life, only seeing white people on the beach, right? And in 94 comes, right? And she sees black people. And not one or two black people. <laughs> She's lucky if she can see sand. <laughs> and she malfunctioned. She <laughs> went on a racist tirade, you know, called black people monkeys, you know, which is horrible, you know. Penny, for your thoughts, let's not have any more thoughts from Penny. <laughs> you know? And the weird thing about Penny Sparrow racism is that Penny Sparrow was racist at New Year. That's a weird time to be racist. Usually you're the best version of yourself at New Year. You know, she didn't even wait until the 15th <laughs> for the anger to come out. Usually you got all these New Year's resolutions at New Year. You go, I'm going to join a gym, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to learn Mandarin, I'm going to pay my TV license, <laughs> I'm going to do the right thing. It's not until the 15th, you're stuck there in heavy traffic, got no money, you're depressed, <laughs> you're irritated, you're switching between lanes to find the next lane. Don't you hate it when you switch into the next lane because you think in your mind that lane is going to be faster. But then when you do, the lane stops. <laughs> and the guy who was behind you in the other lane is not driving past. Huh? <laughs> Sometimes you make it a race. Ah, the other guy doesn't even know it's a race. Ah. <laughs> it's not a good idea. You pass him. Sick. <laughs> I miss my turn off. I miss my turn off. <laughs> On the 15th, you realize all your New Year's resolutions are buggered already. On the 15th, you wanted to lose weight. You put on five kilograms since the first. Learn Mandarin. How are you going to learn Mandarin? You can't even order from the Simply Asia takeout menu without the numbers. <laughs> if you're standing there, can I, can I, have, a, can I have a bar me? Can I have a bar me? Can I have a bar? Can I have a 514, please? Can I have a 514? 
people cut you off, you know, get angry. Like one lady cut me off a white lady. Well, I actually cut a white lady off once, you know. It was a wrong thing to do, but it was a mistake. She was angry. She pulled up right next to me, heavy traffic. She was upset. She It was weird because the window was open. <laughs> she was angry, eh? The vine in her was standing out. She was spraying spit like a sprinkler system. <laughs> and long distance spit also, eh? You know when the droplets of spit came out of her mouth, through a window, across the divide, through my window, landed on my lip. <laughs> on my lip. And you know when people spit on your face by mistake, you can't wipe it off in front of them. <laughs> For some reason, you're more concerned about their feelings. <laughs> so you gotta secretly like... <laughs> Look over there. <laughs> but I was so scared this lady, I didn't even try and wipe the spit away. I just let the spit sit over there. I could feel the herpes slowly developing. I was so scared of this lady, eventually I just licked it. I was like, oh. I'm taking whatever you have to say to me, ma'am. And she called me a monkey. But that was apt under the circumstances. Anger's bad, man. Anger's not cool. Anger's not cool. You know, how do you stop your kids from getting angry? You know, I guess you don't express anger towards them, which is very hard. If you don't want to your kids, you've got to be very creative. Very creative. You know what I do? I pretend to be Mickey Mouse. You know, when I'm myself, like their father, who loves them, they don't listen. But when I'm a fictitious cartoon bloody rodent, <laughs> they listen. You know, I'm like, when I'm like me, I'm like, guys, can you brush your teeth, please? No, Dad, I brushed my teeth last week. <laughs> but if I'm like, hey, gang, it's time to brush your teeth. Let's say the magic words. Miska, Muska, Mickey Mouse. What do you think, Goofy? I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Yuck, old boy. Without hesitation. <laughs> But do they appreciate my effort? No. I'm putting on a whole bloody Disney stage production <laughs> for these kids and these bloody mothers still don't listen. <laughs> and I'm be honest with you, you know, there's one time when Mickey kind of lost it. <laughs> Apparently there's an aggressive streak in Mickey. <laughs> it's just one of those days from the morning, they're not listening. You know, I'm telling Hannah, babe, can you put on your shoes, please? And I don't want to put on my shoes, Dad. I'm tired. <laughs> you know how tiring it is to walk like this? I'm tired. <laughs> I can walk the whole mall like this. I'm tired. <laughs> Would you love to have that sort of freedom as an adult, Dr. Musa? It's time to pay your taxes. I don't want to pay my taxes. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> they do things you don't expect. 
you know, I'm sitting at the robots in the car, obviously. That's what this means. <laughs> I'm not trying to fist bump someone. <laughs> sitting at the robots, and next to me, my little one's next to me. And I look down, right? And he's totally. He's totterman. He's diminutive phallus. He's exposed. <laughs> he just took it out. For air. I don't know why. I don't know why. At the robots, just... <laughs> Show me that in a parenting book somewhere. <laughs> I read all the parenting books. I've never seen a free willy chapter in any of them. <laughs> and it wasn't a... Uh, it was an upstanding citizen. <laughs> I was mortified, bro. And he was intrigued. He was flicking the thing. He did this, he did this. <laughs> like, now nah, you're showing off, bruh, you're showing off. <laughs> Freaking out, the bear is coming to the window, like... Uh, <laughs> I was a blind bear key, you know. They do things that's stressful, you know? And now, like the next thing that I had to do was, you know, because I got to do bath time. I got to manage bath time, you know? Because I got a show later on that night. So before I do the show, like I got to play my part. I got to do my shri. You know, because the show is not my part. <laughs> <laughs> like managing the bath time, that, that's my part. You know, not, not the actual bath. The roof over the bath, the water coming out of the tap into the bath, the room around the bath, the house around that room, that, that's not my part. <laughs> the show is not my part. And the reason why I complain, because parents of young kids know, you know, kids' bath time can be a, a challenging experience. You know, adult bath time, when you take a bath, it's usually a luxurious experience. You know, usually there's candles, essential oils, soothing music, you know, you know. Kids bath time is a freaking nightmare. There are candles too, but that's to mourn the lives that were lost. In the bath time experience. Have you ever gotten like soap in their eyes? Like they lose their freaking minds? It's the most weakest hypoallergenic Johnson and Johnson soap. These kids act like their face is being burnt off by hydrochloric acid. They'll be like, ah. <laughs> like you're carrying on, we're not even in the bath yet. What are you doing? <laughs> so now I still gotta do a show, you know? And you know, I'm in my chops. And I still gotta put them to bed. And I gotta bring out the Mickey. And I'm like, hey gang! It's time to go to bed. Ha ha. Ha 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 My son just goes, no, Mickey. <laughs> I hate you, Mickey. Donald is better than you, Mickey. And that hurt my feelings. And so I gave it back to him. I was like, thanks, kid. Mickey is a loser. Okay. 
but I'm fantastic. And it's like, huh? <laughs> Not that tunnel. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, kid, come on, it's me, it's Mickey. Ha ha ha. Let's, let's go to bed. Ha ha. And he just like kicks me in my shin. Because <laughs> they get into it. It's a game for them. <laughs> and it was so, bruh. You know, it's at that point, you know, where you get up to pee in the middle of the night and the furniture knocks you there. And it's so sore, you question whether all the Almighty is upset with you. <laughs> that level of pain. And it came up like this and I got angry, bruh. I got angry. And for some reason, I stayed in character. <laughs> it was weird, bruh. I was like, I'm like, you don't kick Mickey. I talk nicely and still you don't listen. Don't you want, don't you want for me? He didn't even cry, he was just confused. <laughs> I when my Donald joined in, I was like, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> What's the big idea about the boy? <laughs> Into Donald. Then I'll put him in his room and I'll say, you'll stay there and you'll think about what you've done. And he's like, excuse me, I'm being held against my will. <laughs> and then my wife came into the room and she was all upset with me. You know, upset with me because you see, she was hit as a child. So she's allowed to hit. <laughs> and I wasn't hit as a child. So she moved me. <laughs> I tried my best to defend myself. I was like, <laughs> get the Pringles. <laughs> I was done for. Luckily, my son came in and saved the day. He was like, Come in, guys. Come in, Thank you so much for coming. In 200 meters, turn right. 